I'm Richard van der And I'm Duncan McLeod. Talk Central, episode 216, for the Freedom Day long weekend starting 27 April 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Casa takes aim at the mobile operators. Also this week, U.S. tech companies keep on trucking. Yet another subsea uh, cable planned to connect South Africa, this time with the U.S. And Gmail has a fresh new look. It's Friday, and that, of course, means it's time to talk all things tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechot? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Uh, I'm going to be sounding a little bit different in this podcast today. Um, uh, in our little Tech Central studio here, we've uh, installed some uh, some pretty cool uh, acoustic screens. Uh, so um, it's probably sounding quite radio studio like on my end of the line. I'm talking to Rechot over the internet, so we'll have the we'll have the usual issues with uh, with with internet yeah. audio, but. Um, but uh, this end of the line should be sounding pretty smooth and pretty silky. Um, some some really great uh, acoustic screen technology here, organised uh, through a company called Oxland Acoustics. Keegan Oxland is the guy who runs it, and uh, I am super impressed with the audio um, or the acoustic properties of these screens. It uh, really blocks out all extraneous noise and echo and all that sort of thing. So, in future, Tech Central podcasts are going to be sounding a whole lot better. They're also very useful for um, muffling the screams you make when those deadlines uh, swoosh past. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, also also helpful in, in blocking out all the builders I've had here in the last uh, oh, yeah. couple of weeks. Um, uh, 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 although um, not, not entirely. Uh, but uh, I, I'm really, really chuffed with the, with the quality of these acoustic screens. It really does make a huge impact on the quality of the audio. So, uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, Tech Central podcast listeners, I uh, hope you're going to enjoy the improved quality going forward. And um, just a reminder, by the way, if uh, you're joining us live for the first time, you can WhatsApp us live on the show. You can use the number 71 1111 Nice and easy to remember. 71 triple nine double one double one and send us a voice note tell us what you think about what we're talking about do you have something to add to the discussion and uh, we will play that voice note live on air today uh, you can of course send us voice notes all through the week uh, we'll pick them up listen to them and play them back on this show and in fact we've got a voice note uh, right here um, from uh, edward is his name uh, and i'm going to play it back i'm going to play it on the uh, microphone record so that you can hear it on your side um, let's have a listen to what uh, to what edward had to say hi guys thanks for the show on episode 215 of talk central you mentioned a platform that you use to record the podcast, something like uh, something IM, um, IM or something. What is that platform? Please spell it out for us. Thank you so much. I think that, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Edward's talking about the platform we're, we're talking to each other on right now, uh, Rechot, yeah. and that's appear.in. dot um, It's it's a very cool free. Well, it's, there's a free tier which we, which we use and it works fine. Um, you you can pay to have more people in 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 a conversation. I think it's four people uh, in a video conference. Yeah. Uh, for free, and then beyond that, you you pay for to add additional users. But it works incredibly well. Uh, so it's a peer a p p e r e a r dot i n, and then you can just create a page, and uh, off you go. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. all web based, so you can uh, you can set up a video conference just like that. All you have to do is go to a specific URL, and you're in a web conference. No more f- fuss- okay. no more fussing with Skype and and uh, more and complex uh, software and and stuff. It just works out the box. Just works. That's just works. Uh, I think that was your question, Edward. If you're asking who we distribute our um, podcast through, that's Iono.fm, a Cape Town-based company. But I think your question uh, was related to the video conference we used to to record these podcasts. Um, so thanks for your voice note. And guys, keep them coming. 71 is the is the uh, number to send us uh, voice notes on. Add it to your phone, and um, we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, before we get into the week's news, Rechard, let's do the quiz. Do you want to do the first question? Certainly. The first question in this week's quiz, it costs and requires mobile operators to tell their customers how much of their data bundle has been exhausted. 
at what percentage usages must it send these notifications. And we'll talk about that in the news today. Which two companies did JSE-listed Foresight Holdings acquire this week? Third question, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is the world's richest person, but who are currently the second and third richest, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index? And uh, the fourth question this week, who has been appointed to lead Kahiso Media on an interim basis, replacing Mark Harris? And the final question this week, Chris, Amazon is said to be working on a top-secret home robot. What is the code name for this robot? Amazon Robot, I think it's going to be, I suspect it's going to be cool. It'll be built on Alexa, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's called Lexi for short. No? <laughs> so that's that's our quiz. As always, we'll get to the results at the end of the show. So, Rechard, Freedom Day. How are you enjoying your Freedom Day so far? Uh, doing very little. Oh. I didn't I didn't go to my cycle this morning, but I promised. But I'm going this afternoon right after this podcast because I'm planning a three-hour epic mountain bike journey. So that's how I'm going to be. Oh, nice. Where, my Freedom Day, yeah. Where, where are you going recycling? Um, Emerentia Park, Josie, uh, the, the, the Sprite, so all the way down to Ravonia, um, and then back. So it's about a 40k loop. Nice. Are you going to have one of your DJI drones following you as you go? No, not, not today. They just keep me back. They hold me back. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fiddling. I will uh, be wearing some, some body cameras to record the ride. So yes, there will be lots of tech involved. Okay. All right. As long as, as long as you do, I, I have no doubt that there'll be tech involved. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking this morning, it's, it's 2018, it's been 24 years uh, today since the first democratic election. I can't believe it's been 24 years, almost a quarter of a century has passed. Yeah. Um, the whole time scale has really changed a lot over the last decade. I mean, it, it's funny when I, when I often say this to friends, they agree with me, but when you think about 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it feels like, you know, it should be the 90s, not, uh, you know, the early 2000s, not the 90s. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's weird. It's we're, weird how time just warps in your mind, in your memory. And we're we're almost in the twenty twenties. I mean, it's 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 almost unbelievable. Uh, we are and, living in the future, Duncan. <laughs> you know, technically, we're living in the now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but twenty four years since the ninety four election, um, unbelievable. I've been along. I've been alive quite a bit longer now, and you too, I'm sure. Um, you're younger than me, I think, Richard. Yeah. Um, I think, a few decades. <laughs> yeah, I remember back back in those days when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and we had tablets, real tablets, real tablets, fancy on mountains. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, before before I get too depressed about how old I'm getting, uh, let's uh, let's dive into this week's news. And uh, so, Ikasa um, yesterday had held a press conference to unveil the um, cons- I forget the full name of it, Consumer Services Regulation Charter or something um, and and this is the one where we saw the draft regulations come out um, last year where they spoke about um, data expiry periods um, you'll remember that they initially proposed a um, I think it was a um, they had tiered, they had tiered ex- expiry based on the size of the bundle you bought and they drew a lot of criticism saying that this would penalize the poor mm-hmm. um, which it would um, so the bigger the data bundle the longer the period of expiry they then came out with a second set of regulations where they said um, that all data, no matter what size the bundle, must last for three years. Um, there was a lot of concern about that as well, particularly from the operators, um, but but also from others, people who said that this could harm innovation um, if operators can't, for example, come up with a, a five-rand, 100-meg bundle, for example, that expires after 60 minutes. Um, they simply wouldn't be able to do that under those uh, uh, under that uh, under that um, set of regulations, so there's been a lot of development since then, and they put out the new regulations yesterday. We haven't seen the final regulations, and I'm sure there's a lot of devil in the detail. We've just um, heard the highlights from Icas at the press conference yesterday, which was very well attended, by the way. There were all the big television news networks were there, mainstream media. Um, it was it was one of the most well attended Icasa press conferences I've been to, probably the most well attended. But I think for once, this is something that really affects literally everybody. I mean, everybody yeah. It's yeah. such an important thing in everybody's lives to be connected. Yeah, absolutely. And it's particularly a hot-button issue, I think, in South Africa because consumers are so reliant on mobile to get online. Um, I mean, we, you and I, are, are fortunate in the fortunate few who have a, a fiber connection at home. 
uh, um, we, we are certainly not in the majority in this country. The majority of people are reliant on mobile phones to to get onto the internet, um, and and so you know any regulation that that uh, deals with um, deals with um, controlling how those services are offered by the mobile operators has a very real and direct bearing on on people, um, uh, because for many people this is the only way they get onto the internet. So they yes. they announced some interesting things, I thought. Um, so let's deal with perhaps the more minor issues first. Um, all the operators are now required to notify customers when they have depleted 50%, 80%, and 100% of their bundles. Um, I thought that was common practice because I get it on every host. It is fairly common practice, but they've now stipulated it has to be oh, done at these, okay. at these levels, 50, 80, and 100 um, I think some of the operators have been, been a bit tardy in sending out those notifications. Uh, uh, I won't name any names, but uh, the operator I used to be on, um, I used to get a notification after I'd gone out of bundle and used a whole bunch of out-of-bundle data. Um, yeah, which is a big concern, and that's one of the points also addressed, I believe, at the cost at the year. Yeah, so it's important that these notifications, I think it's a good regulation. Um, I'm generally not in favor of regulation. Um, I always try, I tend to think these things should be addressed at the policy level and competitions should, should sort it out. Um, but the operators have, while they've made progress, they have been a bit tardy in, 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 in these notifications, some of them anyway. So I think having regulations on the table in that respect is a good thing. The other thing I thought that was interesting was that uh, you can now transfer data that you have bought to another user provided they're on the same network. That's interesting. Yeah. That is very cool, actually. It is cool. I think that um, that that could have a big impact. You know, so often, um, say a family, uh, the kid runs out of data, and then the parent has to go and buy another data bundle for the kid, while the parent is sitting with twenty gigs of da- mobile data on their phone. Mm-hmm. So why not just transfer some of that data across to the kid, and then you don't have to buy another um, data yeah. bundle. Um, and yeah, I think it. I think it's a great measure, and I think it's uh, it's 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 not it's not good news for the mobile operators because people will be buying fewer data bundles. Um, but it's a pro-consumer measure, and I think it's 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 quite good. Obviously, they couldn't do this between networks because that actually would just be commercially too complicated and technically as well. I'm sure. Um, but it makes sense. I mean, rather keep you know if, if your family is going to be on if you're going to be doing the whole um, mobile data thing, you know. Being on the same network makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Cheaper in call, you know, calls between devices. Yeah. But yeah, this data thing makes a lot more kidding. And if they do it right, I think, you know, these guys won't lose too much money because the same amount of data will still be used. It's just a frivolous data amount at the end of the month. Hmm. We won't see a lot of, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's a good measure as well. And then the, 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 probably the biggest thing that they announced um, at yesterday's press conference was that um, out of bundled data is forthwith opt in not opt out that is good i think um so many people have been caught by this out of bundle thing uh um it's uh you know i've i've experienced in the past you have bull shock um because you don't realize you're out of bundle and next thing you know you get this bill for thousands of rand um because uh your phone happened to be tethered with your pc and windows decided it was going to download a three gigabyte update without telling you um, so I think that's a good measure as well, and it's going to prevent that sort of bull shock. And the operators should have. Telcom does this, by the way. You 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 go out of bundle, you have to buy another bundle. They won't let you. They won't let you uh, um, go onto out of bundle data. I don't think. But Max, but you see again, you know, you can speculate here, but that just seems like that was always a, a sly practice on the operator's part. Mm. With, with any service, you know, if you reach your cap and you don't pay for it up front or whatever, you know, you, you get stopped until you top up. Yeah. For example, electricity monitors doesn't run over when I run out. I don't pay charge more out of bundle rate. I have to go buy a new new pin, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it just like they were taking a chance in some cases because they know customers they won't really notice when that switch ever happens until it's too late. Yeah, for sure. That's it's a good measure, I think. And something the operators should have done themselves really. Um I, I think this has been forced on them because they have again been tardy in and taking advantage of customers. Um, which is what they were doing, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely wasn't in the interest of a customer for stuff like data or uh, for, for out of bundle data rates to happen. Yeah. Not in the interest of a customer. Yeah. And the final measure that ICASA announced, and it's, it's probably the one that needs more interrogation uh, once the regulations are published early next week, um, because there wasn't a huge amount of detail about exactly how it's going to work. 
but um, they've do, they've have done away with uh, the three year rollover that was proposed in the final in the last set of draft regulations, um, the final mm-hmm. set of draft regulations. So in the final regulations, they simply state that there has to be data rollover, and that's it. They leave it at that. So what I interpret that to mean, listening to and asking questions of the ACASA councillors at yesterday's press conference, is that the operators have to roll over your data, but it's up to the operator to decide how long that data rollover period will be. Um, Which is a very good thing. I mean, let's be honest, I, I, three years was a bit much, and we did have a, a conversation about this at the time. Yeah. It, it could harm, you know, the, the, kind of just the business, you know, for them, the ability to plan how they use their data. Three-year period is very long. Um, and a lot of tech changes, I mean, you can have three new cell phones in that period mm. uh, for your data bundle. It's you know, let it roll over for maybe a month or, you know, 30 to 90 days or whatever package, you know, maybe scales. Give me another month for that data, you know, don't cut it off within 30 days. Yeah. And I think that's what many of the operators will do is they'll roll it over for 30 days. Um, but I, I think it's probably good. I, I, I bought the argument that, uh, and I think it's right, that um, that being prescriptive about this uh, could potentially harm innovation. And I think Ecos is right in uh, in um, in what it's done here. Uh, not being prescriptive because you don't want to um, you don't want to harm innovative new products in the market. So, for example, that example I used earlier of say a 500 meg or 100 meg um, bundle that lasts for 60 minutes. Okay, maybe it gets rollover now for another 60 minutes. Um, technically, I suppose they could roll it over for another 60 seconds. Um, we need to see the regulations on Monday to really understand what ECAS is driving at here because it wasn't entirely clear at the press conference. Um, but I think, generally speaking, ECAS has made the right moves here. They could have gone the populist route. They could have gone the populist um, data must fall um, route, uh, uh, had consumers cheer, cheer them on, um, but it could have it could have potentially damaged the industry. Um, I think they've gone for a pro-consumer set of regulations here uh, that um, the regula- the operators can also implement and uh, um, probably should have already implemented. So I think kudos to you, Casa. In the in the end, they came up with a good set of regulations. Yeah. Um, and let's hope the operators now make this, you know, really kind of see this for what it is and come up with some cool, innovative ways to give the benefit to the customers based mm-hmm. on what these prescriptions are. Yeah, I think this is, this is a set of regulations that the operators can work with. It's, it's, uh, um, this isn't something that they want to run out now and challenge in the courts, and I don't think they're yeah. going to do that. Uh, and, and the smart ones, I think, will say, well, okay, there's these set of regulations here. We're going we're gonna to introduce some new products, and uh, look at us. We're, you know, sure, some of the stuff is being forced on them, but look at us. We're, uh, we're going to introduce these cool products. You win as a consumer and pitch it as a pro-consumer thing. So I think they can win if they, if they uh, uh, approach this correctly and not in a sort of grudge way. Oh, God, we have to implement this uh, nonsense from the yeah. regulator now. I mean, well, they will be aware, that's for sure. Yeah. So this was only the first phase of three phases that ICASA plans to uh, implement in regulations through uh, its cost to communicate program. So um, while they've done well this this phase, uh, we, we still wait to see what they're going to come up with next. The third phase is going to look at um, uh, at uh, retail and I think wholesale as well pricing um, in conjunction with the report, or they're going to consider inputs from the Competition Commission as well. The Competition Commission is busy looking at the um, structure of the mobile market to determine whether it's competitive enough. Um, uh, Regulation of prices is always a very dangerous thing, I think. Um, I've given a couple of radio interviews in the last few days that said, you know, we we see good examples of this around the world, Venezuela probably being the best, where price regulations have been introduced and you can't buy anything in the supermarket because, because, you know, price forcing prices at a certain level doesn't work. We've seen it in Zimbabwe. Uh, a few years ago, um, you 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 don't you don't address pricing issue by telling um, private companies that this is how much they may charge. Uh, I know we do it in the fuel market, and we probably shouldn't in South Africa. It should be deregulated, in my view. Yeah, but sure. but um, I, I think it's dangerous to do that, and uh, I, I think that if there is a conclusion reached that data pricing is too expensive in South Africa, and I know that's the popular view. Um, it's it's not necessarily borne out by empirical research. Um, in, co- in fact, ICASA's own research shows that our data prices are pretty much, if you look around the world, are pretty much average. Um, but if there's a view that data prices need to come down, then I think it doesn't need, it shouldn't be addressed by imposing regulatory intervention. I think it should be uh, addressed by 
policy intervention. So let's say, well, what's wrong with the market then? Let's, uh, um, I don't know, let's um, try and make it more competitive. And what what interventions can we bring from a from a policy perspective to ensure that the market is more competitive rather than saying, well, the market's broken, let's regulate it on, at a price level, because I think that's dangerous. But we'll see We'll see what TCASA comes up with in these new, yeah. new sets of regulations, which I think are going to take a couple of years still to do to develop. They have to go through draft phases and public inputs and all those normal sort of processes. Well, I think if you compare, I mean, if you compare the, the concept of data versus any physical thing that you buy, like petrol, yeah. you know, there's a lot more leeway the technology allows for a lot more scope in whatever way you go to try and, let's say, appease a, a castle with these regulations, mm-hmm. right? It's not just a matter of, oh, guys, we're not going to make money. We have to shut shop. There's a lot of ways for them to develop and change their product. We know the technology, you know, allows for the data to be cheaper, but there's obviously a business object- objective that they need to that they need to perform for them to be a business that can survive. Mm-hmm. But the solutions in tech is much simpler than the solutions with physical things. It just need, need some clever minds to maybe work some numbers and some algorithms and produce some really cool, uh, you know, customer beneficial packages that will, you know, include these regulations. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of uh, ECAS's, um regulations? Do you think they go far enough? Are they do they go too far? Are they just right? Send us a WhatsApp uh, voice note on 071-999-1111. If you're listening to this after the fact, we'll include it in our next show. So, um, it's earnings season in the U.S., Rahat, and uh, all the big tech companies are reporting at the moment. Uh, always interesting to see, um, especially given the volatility we've seen in the U.S. stock market, and particularly in in, in tech stocks. Uh, in the last few weeks leading up to the, this earnings season. But we've seen Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple all reporting now. Uh, I think we had Netflix reporting last week with good numbers. Oh. And um, the, the picture that's emerging from these earnings reports is uh, fantastic numbers, absolutely fantastic numbers. Microsoft uh, put out numbers uh, last night uh, uh, in uh, uh, last night um, earlier this morning actually our time and uh, those were exceptionally good driven by Azure cloud services um, not unexpected uh, but blowing past analyst expectations by quite a long way in terms of earnings per share and uh, that share is I think is going to I haven't looked at the, the pre-market um, trading numbers but I think it's going to Microsoft is going to um, jump above $100 a share for the first time ever um, Amazon also putting out an earnings update. I think they're releasing their numbers next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that share is also surging. In fact, um, in, uh, in uh, I think it was in after hours trading last night, Jeff Bezos added $12 billion to his personal fortune. Uh, so he's extending his lead as the world's richest man. Uh, I see Rehard swearing there with his lips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Facebook uh, also put out um, very good numbers. Their share price jumped almost 10% yesterday. Uh, Apple is reporting on Monday. Now, Apple's going to be the really interesting one because Apple, uh, we've seen reports in recent weeks from su- uh, companies in the Apple supply chain saying that suggesting that uh, demand for the iPhone 10 has been poor. Uh, and if uh, if Apple puts out a poor set of numbers on Monday or, or misses uh, analysts' expectations by a big margin, which they might if the iPhone 10 has been a disappointing seller, then I think Monday might be the day that Amazon overtakes Apple to become the world's biggest company by market valuation. Well, uh, I mean, we've spoken about it quite a few times on this podcast, and I'm still strongly of the view that Amazon will be the first trillion-dollar market cap company. Um, and yeah. You know, getting past Apple, they've he's, they've searched past past Amazon. They've sorry, Amazon. Amazon is one I'm talking about. <laughs> they've ser- they've searched past Google and Microsoft now, uh, so to be the second most valuable company after this latest um, earnings disclosure this yesterday. Uh, so it only leaves Apple, and I think they're only a few tens of billions of dollars behind now. Um, so it's all all coming down to uh, to Apple's results on Monday, uh, which may be poor. Um, which yeah. may be poor. We don't know, but uh, certainly the indications are the iPhone 10 has not been the big seller that perhaps um, Tim Cook was hoping it would be. It is very interesting looking at. I mean, I'm not. I'm not the, the kind of person that follows these stocks, and I, I just enjoy listening to you. You know, kind of coloring the picture for me. But what I do see with this type of thing is, you know, Apple is a is a luxury brand for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a high end brand where Amazon does. A lot of things for everybody. I mean, you can argue Amazon, their store in the web uh, in the US is 
you know, a lot of, most of Americans have probably purchased from Amazon and that kind of thing. Yeah. So for Apple, for Apple still to be on the top says a lot about people buying luxury brands, but it also shows how much business Amazon must be doing in all the, in all their businesses and, and the, you know, kind of all the departments they're in, the categories, uh, of corporate that they're in. How much business they must be doing to be overtaking a luxury brand like Apple? No, it's an absolutely massive company if you look at that that revenue line. And I was interested in the disclosure that they now have over 100 million Amazon Prime customers. Um, and they've just hiked the price on Amazon Prime in the U.S. from it's a luxury product, right? You're paying a premium for, for just having all these beautiful benefits. Yeah. It's $100 a year, and they've just announced they're hiking it to $120 a year. Um, 100 million customers times $120 a year is a, just on its own is a massive is amount of money. It also shows you people are willing to pay for something if they see value in it. If they yeah. see value in a service, they will pay money for it. Yeah. No, I think I think wow. down here in South Africa, we don't really have a have a full clear picture of just how powerful Amazon is and how integrated it is with daily life in the US. Hmm. Question is, when are they coming here? When are we going to see that big unveiling? Well, they're focusing on India now. They're going into the Indian market in a big way. Um, they were, I think, they were they were bidding against um, Walmart for Flipkart, which is a big uh, Indian oh, yes. e-commerce provider, in which interestingly, Nuspout is a big shareholder. Um, and uh, so, I think they're focused on that for the moment. They, they've also made that acquisition in the Middle East not long ago, Souk, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and um, the, I know the Indian acquisition and possibly the Middle Eastern acquisition. The, one of the big shareholders was Tiger Global Management. And what's interesting is Tiger Global Management is also a big shareholder in Take a Lot. Um, so, if they were ever to come here, Take a Lot is the obvious target for Amazon to buy out. Yes, you know? yes. Sure. I mean, they seem to have the, the, the infrastructure that Amazon would want to go after to kind of just get the customer base and then expand. Yeah, they've they've got they've built they've built out the infrastructure. Clearly, they've got some serious problems on their IT systems, given what happened at uh, on Black Friday last year for yeah, the second yeah. day in a row. Uh, so that's uh, you know if they were to buy it out, so they'd have, probably have to spend quite a bit of money fixing the IT side of things. I'm I'm not sure what work Take a Lot has done to to address those issues that they had on Black Friday. Uh, but um, yeah, they are the biggest e-commerce provider in South Africa, and uh, it would be an obvious takeover target. And looking looking at the looking at the sort of movements that Amazon's doing in the region, they're really in, in many countries in Europe. Um, they've recently gone into Australia. They're now going into India. They're going into the Middle East. South Africa is kind of a big market in in the in the re, in that region. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe in the next couple of years they'll they'll make some sort of announcement. Yeah, I'm sure Africa would be part of a, a specific expansion for them. But just coming back to what you were saying about Takelot, I would imagine that they would implement their systems as opposed to using Takelot systems should they take over that company. Right. They, I, I suppose there would be uh, a lot of forklifting of technology and Amazon technology coming in. I think you're right. Um, they pr- probably wouldn't do it wholesale initially just because um, doing that is very difficult and uh, so things break and uh, all that sort of thing. But I, I'd imagine that there would be a, um, a gradual replacement of, uh, of Take-A-Lot systems with, with Amazon's global IT systems. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting time in, in U.S. tech stocks at the moment. Um, and the biggie is Apple on Monday. We'll, we'll see. I think they, they report after hours. So it'll be out uh, late evening Monday here. Um, Tuesday is a holiday, so I might be up for it. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Amazon might be the world's most valuable company as of, as of this time next week. Who would have thought that someone who started selling books out of his garage uh, would transform that into the world's biggest company and the world's richest man. <laughs> right, Rahat, we need to take a quick ad break uh, for our um, podcast listeners. For our live listeners, we'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. 
Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Danke. So yet another submarine cable is coming, um, in theory anyway. Um, I think a lot of these things get announced, and some of them don't always see the light of day. But yeah. SAX, which has been um, talked about for about six or seven years now, um, they went quiet for a, for a period. They're back. Uh, they're aggressively looking to, um, to, to raise capital, roll out, uh, roll out a submarine system, and it's a big one. They're talking of uh, a direct link between um, South Africa and the U.S., uh, which will be the first. Sorry, do you think Amazon needs that for their expansion to South Africa? Perhaps it'll help them. <laughs> uh, <their> plan. <laughs> um, so they're doing it in two phases. For this, actually, there's three phases, and phase one is broken into phase A and phase one A and phase one B. Phase one A will run the uh, cable from Mtanzini, um, obviously on the KZN North Coast around South Africa, then connecting to Azerfontein, north of Cape Town, which is where the wax cable lands, and I think ACE as well. Mm. And then it'll tra- traverse the Atlantic Ocean. Um, it'll have a spur to St. Helena Island, which I believe doesn't have a submarine cable at the moment. And then it'll run all the way up to uh, just off the coast of Fortaleza in Brazil with a spur into Fortaleza, which is where a lot of um, uh, North America, South America uh, cable systems terminate or interconnect. And uh, and then it will continue in phase one B from off the coast uh, of Brazil to Virginia Beach uh, in the U.S. And they're talking, um, I forget the the latencies, but it's something like 130 or 140 millisecond, uh, which would be a significant improvement on current U.S. latencies. Uh, and it's going to be a 72 terabit per second system at launch. Um, that's the design capacity. Uh, so a massive system if they get it off the ground. Um, uh, of course, there are other cables that are look, looking at um, route, similar routes. We've got, got the new Seaborne Networks SABR or Sabre cable system, which seems to be making good progress. And that's going to run from Cape Town to uh, some point in Brazil that they haven't announced yet, not Fortaleza, somewhere else on the Brazilian coastline. And that's going to then connect to another cable system uh, to the U.S. So it's not going to be a direct route, but um, it's going to be a much more direct route than the current cables, which go through uh, Europe and then across the North Atlantic. So improved latencies again and another alternative route to the U.S. market. Uh, and then um, there's Angola Cables, which is building a system uh, across from Luanda to, I think it's Fortaleza again. And that's going to connect to um, to various cable systems that run past Luanda. So I think the ACE cable and the WAX cable, I would assume. Uh, so uh, the competition is hotting up for the South Atlantic uh, fiber market. I don't know if all these guys are going to finish the projects. I think the Angolan guys are well advanced. I think the Seaborne Network guys are making good progress. The SAX guys are, are um, while they've been around for longer than the other guys, I think um, uh, I think they um, they you know they haven't well they're all they're all I think they're all still in the process of uh, of, um, of 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 advanced planning. So the race is on. Whether all of them uh, come to fruition, I don't know. Um, but uh, they're, they're uh, interesting interesting projects and much more bandwidth for South Africa and more diverse routes yeah. and uh, direct links to the U.S., which I think will be important. Yeah, more options, more bandwidths. It's never a bad thing. And we're going to need this stuff, you know, with yeah. with you know, things um, and five G. You know, all these backhauls. The demand for capacity is only going to be increasing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if all these cables make sense, but uh, as a consumer, um, I don't care. Just build them. I'll use them. <laughs> <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> But uh, these cables are not cheap. Um, the phase one of, uh, I think they're talking 400 or 500 million dollars, 480 million dollars, I think, all in for uh, for the South Atlantic. And then uh, the SAX guys are looking to build a further cable system f- up to the Malaysian Peninsula from Mtanzini, so an in- trans- trans-Indian ocean route as well. Um, so they're certainly thinking big. Uh, mm. And that, that, that leg will probably cost another 300-odd million dollars. Um, so you've got to have deep pockets in this game, and it's not—it's uh, certainly not risk-free. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm sure these guys are also forward planning. You know, they are thinking of the next 20, 10, 20, 30 years. Hmm. At some point, some of the old cables probably will get decommissioned too. Yeah, uh, yeah. the long game that they're playing. It is. It is. Um, it's real, real project management stuff. They say it's. Uh, 
Um, I think I always think it must be such a sexy business. You're out in the ocean, high seas, rolling cables out, and that sort of thing. But 99% of the stuff is desk work. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, just doing the project planning around this, this these project the, around these cables is absolutely enormous. Um, and the surveys that have to be done um, once you've finished the planning that pre-planning process you've got to do marine surveys you've got to because I, I think many people forget that under the ocean it's not just flat it's uh the mountain ranges and volcanoes and it's it's like it's like earth down there it's like the surface of the earth down there but it's uh you know it's equally mountainous if not more mountainous um there's a huge if you look at uh, undersea topographical maps the south atlantic has some some pretty serious mountain ranges and uh, you're running a little cable across uh, all of these uh, all of these places and you've got to make sure that cable's not going to break um, yeah, I mean, just the, the, if you think about it, just that very the exercise of connecting two points across the ocean with a cable, which in 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 the the, the ocean scale of things is a piece of thread, you know, being strung along the ocean floor. Yeah, pretty impressive technology engineering to make sure that those two points connect. Hmm. And how often have you wired a plug and the thing is not correct because you didn't do something right? You know, it's easy <laughs> to do right. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about a massive table. That's impressive. It is very impressive. Uh, and the the thing that causes, of course, the most problems for these cables. Um, uh, have a guess, Rehart. I'm, I'm uh, what, what do you think would causes the, the main outages on these international cable systems? Well, I would imagine marine life. You know, not not agreeing with what's there. I guess. No, it's in fact ships. Ships, ships, anchors. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Actually, they are often dropped straight through these cables, and they just snap them into, and then they have to send out a repair ship to fix them. Wow. I wonder how logistically that would prevent it. I mean, surely the ship won't check where they drop their anchor, do they? Well, they see us, they're supposed to, and uh, they, they're under ins- global shipping is under instruction not to drop anchor in certain places, including uh-huh. where there are submarine cables. But um, there's so many ships on the ocean that uh, it happens anyway. Mm-hmm. It happens anyway. Um, it's happened to Seacom a few times in uh, the Red Sea. Well, I remember a few years ago we had one or two massive outages that were caused by, I think it was 2006 or seven. Yeah. Yeah, back back in the days when uh, if Seacom got uh, chopped, our internet went down. <laughs> yeah, we have redundancy systems. Right? Yeah, uh, thankfully we've got redundant routes along the west coast now and other cable systems, and it's only going to yeah. get better with seaborne networks and SAX and Angola cables and all the new cables that are coming. There's the Ace cable. I'm not sure if Ace is launched yet, but if it hasn't, it's quite near to being launched, and mm. it's another west coast cable. Um, so SAX, we'll be watching that with a great deal of interest, and we have a podcast coming up with uh, Dr. Rosalind Thomas, who is the CEO of uh, SAX, and we'll be doing that sometime next month, so listen out for that one. Rechard, you wanted to talk about the new Gmail. I had a brief look at it. Um, I, see, I see you You can. It's, it's not necessarily uh, enabled by default yet for everyone, but if you click on the little cogwheel at the top right yeah. of the Gmail pane, you can enable it. Um, and I have done so, but I haven't had a chance to really look at it. Uh, it looks nice and clean, um, but what, what can it do that uh, the current Gmail can't? Yeah, so apart from that, that visual overall, which I think it's, it's kind of showing a more mature side of Google now. Mm. It's, it's for the first time, I'm looking at Gmail as a proper Outlook replacement, potentially. I mean, there's a lot of cool things, and it looks like they're trying to take the, the platform you know, trying to let people look at it more seriously. Um, if you look at some of the features that they've introduced, so apart apart from the obvious beautiful uh, visual interface changes, uh, under the hood there's been some really interesting changes. Now, one of the things is the integrated rights management, which is a business feature that uh, was with business feature uh, the business feature that Gmail had for business users, um, but it allows you to to basically prevent people from forwarding, printing, you know, doing a variety of things with your mails, which is always handy if you just want to prevent people from accidentally doing those things. Obviously, it won't uh, eliminate, um, you know, the ability for people to, to replicate the, the content of those mails. But, again, you know, it, it signs that they are trying to let, let people look at this as a more mature platform. Hmm. Two-factor authentication is another new feature that they've, um, that they've added. So it allows you, and this is a very cool feature, allows you to, um, or to get people who you send the mail to to actually have to go through a two-factor authentication process to view the mail, oh. which I think was quite interesting, yeah, in terms of the privacy, especially especially in business use cases. That's quite cool. Um, yeah, very, very cool feature. Um, um, one, of the, uh, one of the other features that, that tie in with this, the security is um, when you send an email link to somebody to see this, when you don't want them to, to forward uh, or email or you know, reply to it to somebody else, 
the email actually lives on your platform, on your Gmail, and the people get, or the person gets sent a link to come and view it. So you retain right of that content of that mail. It never leaves your Gmail inbox, which I think is a pretty interesting way of addressing, you know, that privacy issue when people, you know, when you're giving people access to content or to, you know, the content of a mail. So that was pretty cool. Um, some other features that they've included uh, is email snoozing, which <laughs> would save my bacon so often. <laughs> I just get swamped with so many emails a day. Something important comes in. I do flag it in Outlook, but, you know, again, a flag doesn't actively come back to you and say, remember, this is me, please reply to yeah. my email. So that, that I think is going to be a cool feature um, to use. Google also introduced something called nudging. Now, this is an automatic feature, and what they do is with their algorithms and with, you know, when they kind of scan the contents of the mail, um, they obviously pick out certain keywords like, please reply to this, this is urgent, whatever. Gmail will actually nudge you and say, this is a mail you should probably be looking into or this is a mail you should probably be pay attention to right now, which I haven't seen it in action, but, I mean, if it works as well as what they say, that that's a pretty handy feature, especially mm. Especially with the volume of emails I received, you know, somebody asks you, please reply to this, or, you know, did you get my response to this or whatever? It, it could make a lot uh, easier to use. Um, there's, a whole, there's a few other uh, implementations, new features in, in terms of collaboration with the other mobile, uh, the Google apps. Um, uh, there's some offline mode that I also thought was very interesting. It allows users traveling now on their app to obviously save all of their, their mails, all their data offline so that they can use Gmail offline as they would oh, nice. um, in that way. Nice, nice. I'm very impressed with what they've got. I've been playing with it for about two days. I switched over yesterday, tinkered with it last night. Um, and like I said, it's the first time in a long time. I mean, when Gmail first came out, it was revolutionary and, and yeah. I really enjoyed using it. But over the years, I've kind of, I still use it. I still use a lot of, uh, sort of a lot of mails go through the platform, but I don't use it as my daily driver for email. And some of you know, these changes would make me look at it slightly differently. I'll see how I can implement uh, some of these in my daily life. Well, that's great. That's a great summary. Thanks, Rehard. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with it some more as well. I'm a I'm a dedicated slave to Microsoft Outlook, um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a bash. I particularly use the flagging system in Outlook. Um, yes. Religiously, I, can't, I actually couldn't manage my inbox without flagging. So I'll, uh, I'll 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 try out some of those features in Gmail and see if it uh, how well it works for me. Uh, because of course you can integrate your uh, Microsoft Mail quite easily into uh, into Gmail these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Mike, actually, you know, there are some paid for tiers on the Gmail platform, so you can you know have the Outlook like the Exchange like features, mm. um, which is fantastic. So if you want to if you want to do this for business purpose and actually migrate your business to it, it's very easy to do. Yeah, yeah these features make it uh, much more appealing compared to very bulky and clunky Exchange servers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've moved to Microsoft Exchange online for my email, and I must say it's very good, including the web-based interface. Yes, um, I like yes. it a lot. Especially for a long time, businesses didn't have an option, so the only mm. way you could get Exchange was to run a server. I mean, I went through that process, and I nearly went bold as a result of it. it yeah, just, uh, it's horrible. Um, it's it's fantastic that these things are all cloud-based now, and uh, I, I think think what we see from Gmail here is is probably um, is probably Google getting a little bit of a skirk from. Uh, uh, from Microsoft and this, this cloud-based mail that they've um, the direction they're heading yes, in, yes, because they yeah, have they done a lot of work. impressive things with mm. their online services. Yeah. So that is our news for this week. Um, let's move on to our regular features. Our winner this week is Bitcoin um, for the simple reason that uh, it's not falling anymore. <laughs> uh, well, I still don't own any. You still know, neither, neither do I. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it, it was falling precipitously this year. It had a terrible first quarter. And uh, since the beginning of April, it's really started to show signs of life again. So uh, I have no idea whether this means that it's uh, going to continue to rise. I haven't the first clue. Um, uh, you can certainly listen to a lot of people prognosticating on the subject. Um, but uh, I am not taking a bet on Bitcoin because I think it is akin to gambling. Um, but that's, that's just my view. Um, and I'm probably going to be the poorer for it at the end of the day but who knows no, i think it's probably a wise unless you've got money to to throw away you don't know i mean this is such uncharted territory mm. i mean anything could happen to the still i mean it could go amazing places and then we would yeah. say we should have been there 30 days but yeah. you don't know you just don't know yeah, I'm, I'm recording a podcast on Monday afternoon with uh, Simon Dingle, uh, who I think many 
listeners to this podcast know. He's just written a book on the subject, and uh, I am going to be reading that book this weekend, and we'll be talking all things cryptocurrencies and, and uh, what they mean on Monday. And oh. I know Simon is definitely a Bitcoin and a cryptocurrencies bull. Uh, he thinks uh, he thinks this stuff really is the future. So uh, I'll be coming in with uh, perhaps a bit of a cynical viewpoint and uh, asking him some questions about the stuff. Uh, but if you're interested in cryptocurrency, don't miss our discussion with Simon Dingle on Monday afternoon around 2.30. We'll be broadcasting that live, and of course it'll be available as a podcast um, after the show. And um, we don't have a loser this week, unless you want you, you have someone in mind, Rechot, we, uh, we're going to let people off lightly this week. Yeah, let's let them off lightly. It's, uh, it's a long weekend. I don't want that stress in my life. <laughs> yeah, we're relaxed. It's a Friday. It's a public holiday. Um, and uh, so... No loser this week. We'll come yeah. up. Might come up with two for next week just to make up. <laughs> Rehard, what's your pick this week? So I've got an official pick and an unofficial pick. My unofficial pick is Watch Lost in Space on Netflix. It's a very cool series. I've thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. What's One it about? Season, Lost in Space. What's it? What's it about? Uh, Lost. What's it about? Hmm. Uh, basically, it's based on the old Robinson Crusoe family going into you know, but it's based in space basically. So. Um, Long story short, they land on this planet with a group of other Earth. Um, basically, Earth is in a place where humanity wants to go to Alpha Centauri. On the way there, a few things happen. They land up on this planet. And, yeah, the story, it's very cool. I mean, it's a sci-fi family in space kind of uh, series um, with some cool robot technology. Uh, yeah, very cool. Highly recommend it. But my actual pick for this week is a, a online web service uh, called, sorry, I just lost my page, pickvideo.net. Now, you can, you can argue the basis of the legality of this, as with most online tools that, that, that rip things. But essentially what this allows you to do is to download video um, and audio from pro- most services, online services, whether it's uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I mean, any of these popular online services, you can, you, know, you can just put in the link and download the audio video content. Now, what's, what makes it so interesting and, and useful for me is the fact that when I cut videos together, I often have reference material that I, with the right credits, obviously, like you would a news program, you know, just get some of the footage imported, take a few seconds of it, um, and then export it as a news piece. Or for brands, I work with a few brands that um, I get their original content directly from their platforms because I don't have these things saved up on Dropbox servers mm-hmm. most of the time. It's a very cool, very cool service for that purpose, uh, if that's the kind of thing you do. So if you're into video, video editing, it, it gives you access to a lot of um, B-roll that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Obviously, you know, content copyright laws should apply, so you should be careful what you use and make mm. sure you get the right credits and get the right permissions. But it's a great service nonetheless. Sounds good. I wanted to say about that lost in, in space. It sounds like it uh, might be something based on Arthur C. Clarke. Is it? Do you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I actually yeah. haven't read much about it. I binged it <laughs> in two nights when I saw it online. Okay. I read up on it. But I have seen some chatter online, and there's, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. Mm. But um, it was very good. I'll give it a bash. The story is bash. familiar. The story is very familiar. It's not, it's not a brand new storyline. Right. Okay. Just your description made it, made it sound a little bit like um, an Arthur C. Clarke story I read called Songs of Distant Earth, which uh, is one of my favorite stories that he ever wrote. Uh, I must get into that. Yeah. Have, have you read any Arthur C. Clarke? He's, uh, he, he wrote some really good yeah, stuff. Yeah. He was the guy, of course, who did, wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey, um, which was a very short story, actually, that turned into a very long movie. <laughs> I have, still haven't sat through that. I've seen the beginning, I've seen the end, and I've seen the middle, but not in one story. Yeah, it's quite difficult to get through, um, but it's, um, it, it's, it, yeah, it's a controversial movie, but it, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's very 70s, but uh, I enjoyed it. Um, but Songs of Distant Earth by Arthur C. Clarke, if you, uh, if you enjoy that sort of storyline, um, uh, go check it out. It's very good. And uh, I think that's our show, Rechot. What's um, your pick? Oh, you, you haven't given us your pick? Oh, oh no, I haven't. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, I thought my, it was an Arthur C. Clarke book. <laughs> my pick this week is uh, the instant messaging app Signal, which I've been using more and more. Um, uh, of, I think we spoke about it uh, in the context of other messaging apps a couple of weeks ago, if not last week. Um, but I've, I've been using it more and more. Popular, uh, a busy um, group that I'm on has recently shifted the whole group from WhatsApp to uh, to Signal. It's a nice app. It, it lacks all the some of the um, the, the the colourful flair of, of of WhatsApp and Telegram in that uh, you know it doesn't have all these fancy 
animated GIFs and all this sort of stuff. So it's which, a, is which is a good thing if you just want to focus on, on getting a conversation done. Um, but it, it's got some nice features. Firstly, I, I trust Signal. I think it's very secure. It's a, the source code is open source, so you can inspect it, and people do inspect it for any vulnerabilities. Um, it uses um, it, it's developed by a company called Open Whisper Systems, which is a nonprofit. Uh, it um, is the same end-to-end encryption technology that's used in WhatsApp, um, except uh, I don't think Signal steals your metadata like Facebook probably does. Um, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's endorsed by Edward Snowden, if that means anything. Uh, probably does. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they, he is hunted. He's hunted, so he has to. Uh, he has to keep his location uh, secret, so he is a signal. So it's probably a good, uh, a good endorsement. Um, yeah. But it's a, it's a nice platform. I like it, and it's got Windows, Mac, and Linux apps um, as well. So uh, you don't have to just uh, use it on your phone. Um, so that's Signal. That's my pick this week, and I'm I'm using it more and more. And their voice calling, by the way, is superb. I've taken a number of calls on on Signal, voice over IP calls, and the quality each time has been absolutely superb. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if they're in, they've implemented a different codec or a um, different yeah. compression algorithm or what it is, but um, the voice calls maybe I just got lucky. But the voice calls are crystal clear for from my limited experience. But yeah, that's my pick this week. Sign, the Signal messaging app. Go check it out. And that now is our show. Um, let's do our quiz results. Let me jump in with the first question. ICASA now requires mobile operators to tell their customers how much of their data bundle has been exhausted at what percentage usages must it send these notifications. And that's 50%, 80%, and 100%. The second question, which two companies at JSC listed four site holdings acquire this week? And the answer, of course, is Actec Systems and Dynamic Africa Services. And Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is the world's richest person who are currently second and third richest, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. And those two very lucky individuals are Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. The fourth question, who has been appointed to lead Cajiso Media on an interim basis replacing Mark Harris? The answer there is former Ultron executive Rob Abram. And the last question in this week's quiz, Amazon is said to be working on a top secret home robot. What is the code name for the robot? And that is Vesta, after the Roman goddess of the hearth, home, and family. And uh, you can be sure it's going to be powered by Alexa. I wouldn't mind a robot in my house. If, and again, watch Last in Space. It's a very cool robot in the uh, Yeah, it could bring a oh, lot nice. of that. I'll do that. A lot of value to your life to have yeah. a little robot running around doing stuff for you. Yeah, you just want a robot to go and fetch your craft beer from your fridge, right? Oh, yeah, that would also, well, to get craft beer from the source, you know, just go to the breweries, get me a kit. Oh, drive, drive, <laughs> drive there and. <laughs> Uberfy everything. <laughs> Uh, that's our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, info at techcentral.co.za is our email address. And please do send us a WhatsApp. Uh, we'll include your voice notes in the next show. Tell us if you don't want us to include them. And uh, the number there is 71 Please add it to your phone under Tech Central. And you can uh, WhatsApp us at any time during the week. And uh, we will uh, include our uh, include your voice notes in the show, that is. Uh, And that's it, Rechot. Until next time, enjoy the long weekend, everyone. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.